Yo, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up, how y'all doing, hope you guys are having a beautiful Thursday, hope you guys are having a great day overall, welcome to the third episode of Backyard GM, I'm your host Darius Brockett, uh, thank you guys for getting this far to episode three and I want to keep this going and keep it a full head of steam, last week we had a great episode, we discussed Deshaun Watson, we discussed the Eagles drama part two, uh, we had the 49ers and the Jets both hiring their head coaches for the future. And then we had our first team that we GM'd, which was the Jacksonville Jaguars. So as you guys know, we're going to do that every week, GM a team, and it's going to be fun. So this week, we have a lot going down for you guys. Phillip Rivers, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, we're now going to start opening up draft information, and I'll give you guys my top three players in the draft of each position that I feel like could either be a steal or is by far my favorite safety in the draft that you guys should check out or look at their stuff and be interested in. And then we got GM team of the week number two, and I told you guys we were going to stay in the AFC, and I hope you guys stay long enough to find out. So without that being said, drop the intro and let's get it started. So welcome back. What's up, guys? Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that intro music, which, of course, I know y'all did because I always enjoy it. We're going to start with the first story, which was Dwayne Haskins signing a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. As we all know, he was released and cut by the Washington football team towards the tail end of this season due to his inability to play and his off-season, his off-the-field issues and his immaturity and how he played the game. I see... So I personally never really saw him as a starting quarterback in his league yet. I felt like when he got drafted, he had a lot more work to do in terms of his on the field talent and his on the field game. Turns out his biggest problem was off the field. But I think this is a pretty good signing, in my opinion, on where he lands, on where where he's going, actually, because I feel like with Ben Roethlisberger most likely going to return back to that team, he can now sit and be a value QB number two under an actual quarterback who can mentor him and show him what it will be like. And I think he could be a, a successor to Ben Roethlisberger, maybe not as good in terms of the success he'll see on that team, but I think he'll be a nice little placeholder for those guys. So it won't be all the way downhill from there. But as a whole, we're going to look at his numbers. Let's start where he didn't play a lot in either games. And I think his inconsistency was one of his biggest things that in my eyes, what stood out to me most, which I saw at Ohio State and I saw a transfer transfer over into the NFL but in those two seasons under Washington he had only 12 touchdowns and 14 interceptions with a QBR of 60% but you're not really saying much you only threw 2,000 yards in total in both years I mean well yeah with both of those years under your belt you start you lose your position you start you lose your position and overall he just wasn't a good fit I think for the Washington football team and I think it also had to do with Ron Rivera coming in as not being the guy that drafted you so you were really much on a chopping block from the start. However, I do see it as something strong and the information is going to go on to be how could how will he play in the Mike Tomlin system? Now, obviously, he'll be battling for the QB2 spot with him and Mason Rudolph. But I think that's a job more so for him to lose because he has a way more. He has more talent than Mason Rudolph. It's just can he be consistent and can he not have off the field issues? The one thing that we saw during the all season for him getting prepared for this season was how he put on a little bit more weight, put on a little bit more muscle. And he actually, then he ended up losing some of the weight because he realized he was too heavy and he just wanted to have a better arm. 
Now, one thing that everybody in the league knew, and even Ron Rivera said, he had NFL arm. He just did not have decision-making. And one thing I didn't like about him at Ohio State was his decision-making. Granted, it was the Ohio State QB curse in terms of when you play for that franchise or, I mean, that program. Usually, you don't really transfer well into the NFL. And we saw it with so many other quarterbacks. So, it's very interesting to see how it falls out and where he shakes and where he lands. And I think this will be very – it's a very safe spot for him to land – you have one year to prove that you're worth a job, at least in this league. And then after Big Ben finally officially retires, you can either take the reins as QB1 or they can move on from you as a whole. I think for both parties, you're in a win-win situation here and you don't really lose much. And now moving on to the bigger news out of these two top stories. Phillip Rivers has finally decided to step away from the game. He's finally decided to retire. And I think this was the best decision for him as a whole. He already has him a head coaching job at a high school. So I think this was only right for him to retire. He may not have ended the season the way he would like with a Super Bowl ring, but I think his career speaks for itself. That he had a very Iron Man like career. Not really he started I wanna say every game in his career. And it was very interesting on how it played out and how he's continued his journey. Uh one thing I can say about Phillip Rivers is Toughness is one of the hardest things to describe for him because he just never knew when to quit. One thing that I will give Phillip Rivers in his entire career was his his competitiveness. You couldn't tell him no. You couldn't tell him that the game was over. He fought in every snap. He fought in every down. And that was the one thing that most of his teammates said. Now, as a whole, I want to say congratulations to Phillip Rivers on his remarkable career. Now, the real question is, in our eyes as the as the analyst or the fans, is he a Hall of Famer? And I believe to answer that question is no. Now, let if we're going to be honest here, I do believe he'll get in the Hall of Fame at some point. But if we look at his numbers as a whole, he has thrown over 63,000 yards. He's thrown 421 touchdowns, but he's also thrown 209 interceptions. He has no AFC Championship wins, no Super Bowl appearances, eight-time Pro Bowler, his numbers look pretty good. He's very accurate. He has a 65 completion percentage. Uh, He's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Let me clarify that. I don't see him as a first ballot Hall of Famer. However, I do see that he will get in at some point. His stats show he could play. He was very good. It just so happened you got caught in the Big Ben, Tom Brady, Peyton Manny era of quarterbacks. So, and even on the other side, you played against Aaron Rodgers and from the time he was in the league to now, there were only four quarterbacks from that AFC during a strong period of time until Patrick Mahomes to see a Super Bowl or at least play in a Super Bowl game. And that was Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Joe Flacco and Ben Roethlisberger. So you've had all these chances. You got to the playoffs numerous times. You just couldn't win a win it far enough to put your team in the Super Bowl. So in my eyes, no, he's not a Hall of Famer right now, but I will believe somewhere down the line he will get in. And it's going to be very hard to see that because of his career was so good as a whole when you watched his game. So without that being said, we're going to transfer over to the next topic where we start talking draft, getting ready for the draft. And yeah, stay tuned. So, as you know, the AFC Championship games were Sunday, and once that's done, Super Bowl's wrapped up, we start focusing on the draft, draft combine, and who's going to go where, mock drafts start getting made, and things like that, and I thought I figured I'd get a jump on it a little bit, and at least break down my top three players at different positions of where I like them, and where I would rank them, and where I consider them and compare them, based off the games I watch, based off the film, I've 
gotten and based off other other people's analysis and some of them will be your standard analysis from professionals who do these who are whose sole jobs are to be scouts and compare these guys but also a little bit of my own take and how i see their game and where they stack up and where they play so without that being said i would like to welcome you guys to gm path to the draft uh or in other words the gm draft path and Every year, people who make these, they, they have their own spin to it or how they how they approach it. And I thought I they always start with offense. Me, I'm going to start with defense. I am a firm believer. I love playing defense. Well, clarify. I love defense. I hate it playing defense. I was an offensive guy myself, but I love defense. And I thought it was it's best to start with the secondary. And more specifically, we're going to start with the safeties. So first safety I want to bring up is by far... Uh, we're going to start with Caden Stearns, Texas, out of Texas. Real good. He wait, he came in that year, 6'1", 205. Uh, one thing that jumped off to me off the page immediately was his tackling ability. Very, very great tackler, very sound tackler. It was his ability to be around the ball a lot in terms of stopping the run. That was the one thing I can say about his game, first and foremost. Second thing I liked about him was is his he has a high motor he had a lot of high energy a lot of a lot of plays that you saw that texas was able to get in terms of like your second and eights your third and sevens he was somewhere around there he's a high motor guy he's very versatile he's a developmental safety which means you can probably put him at free safety strong safety and maybe and you can try to work him down in the box to be a to cover the running backs i really like that about his game uh another thing that really caught my attention read and react when he was in when he was sitting in the back as a safety you are the last line of defense and his read and react skills to me were freaking phenomenal granted he had injuries he kind of opted and then he ended up opting out so we didn't get to see a much a lot out of it this year but in 2018 and at in 2019 we saw we saw it become more and more a thing and i wish we could have saw more this year but however it is what it is he takes that step back but his read and react skills to fly from one end of the field to the other to get back into his zone even if he has made a mistake was very good and granted sometimes it was quarterback errors where he threw the ball a little late but it jumps off at the page at me because of how how fast he was able to get over there now he looks like he runs about a sub four 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 five type of guy and that's okay but man it was very good to see that now i do think there are some things he needs to work on the biggest thing I, I saw that he needed help was in his pass coverage. Granted, I just said he has great read and react skills, but also I, I talked about how sometimes he would make a mistake. Pass coverage, he'll sometimes get beat a lot, or he has, he doesn't know when to look for the ball, which caused in a lot of pass interference, a lot of PI calls. So one thing I think he needs to prove on is his pass coverage. I don't know if it's either going to be his zone coverage that needs most work in my opinion, but man, he was pretty solid every now and again. Like I said, he just didn't know when to turn his head around for the ball. And in the, in the NFL, I think that's going to be the biggest skill because you're playing against quarterbacks who will take advantage of seeing that on you day in and day out of you not getting your head around. Now, one thing I will say and what he reminds me of, he reminds me of Jabril Peppers where exceptional athlete can, can go from one side of the field to another with the best of them. And just how we saw Jabril Peppers where in coverage he was decent but he was more used to be in the box and be a tackler. That's the same way Caden Stearns reminds me. He's more to be in the box as a tackler, but over time, I feel like he'll get that development to be a great safety or a good safety that can play 
in the deep thirds or the shallow zones or even if you need him to play a mid zone and, and sit at that linebacker spot he'll get good at that so that's what my biggest comparison goes for him now at one point he would have been slated as a day one draft prospect but due to the injuries and how his season panned out uh he will drop in my opinion he's a day two kind of guy but don't let it fool you he had really really great great games now don't let it fool you within the stats he had he had about 39 tackles so he wasn't really scared to play and a lot of his and he had two tackles for loss so i see him as a day two draft prospect and it will be really interesting who will draft him but it's going to be fun he will have to learn a lot though overall great player in my eyes and he's my number three safety that i think will be a good steal for whoever gets him coming in at number two we're gonna go trevon morick out of TCU, 6'2", 208, runs about a sub 4'4", four, four, could be a 4'5", type of guy, depending on how where he's coming from or who's clocking him. First things first that jumps off the board at me is his play recognition skills. He can spot a play at the blink of an eye. Granted, this is his first year being a full-time starter. Uh, he was a very good special teams contributor back in the past in like 2018, 2019. And But this year, we got to see him as a full-time starter in his junior year, and you can tell that he's been working on it. He was he was excellent when it came to recognizing what where the play was going. He wasn't fooled a lot on a lot of misdirections. But another thing that was real important for me was his strength. His strength jumps off at the paper to me because of a lot of game film that I watched and a lot of highlight tapes that you see of this guy. It's him getting off a block, and it's not just getting off a block and struggling. He's with ease. And he's going to he's going to be one of those type of guys where you can put him in that coverage zone and you can run a bubble. You can expect him nine times out of 10 to make that tackle, getting off that block A and swooping in to make that tackle B. So he's definitely going to take care of the the receivers on the blocks. He's going to take care of running backs on the blocks. If you send him on a blitz to come inside, that was one of those first two things that made me very interested to see how he looked. And one of the biggest things is he showed promise. Granted, this is his first year as a full time starter on the field. But you can see where he's been working on his game and tailoring it to fit TCU system and how it will transfer over in NFL. And one thing that it reminded me of when you looked at it, because TCU is a 4-2-5 defense, it was like the Cardinals defense. It was a lot of moving parts, a lot of people that could stand around in the box and up top and can bail with ease or attack very fast. And one thing that I do know, he's not really much of a free safety. One thing that TCU, they put him there, he gives me more of a strong safety role, a strong safety type of vibes where he can play down and also up, but he's going to be especially good at covering the middle of the field. The middle of the field was by far his his biggest strength and sometimes probably his biggest weakness because of he still was learning. He would, he would bite on a lot of play action fakes, but his ability to just cover the middle ground of that field in those cover three zones was perfect. And in cover four, you could see where he could either, his anticipation was really good, where the ball, right before the ball was to leave the QB's hands, he reads his eyes and his ability to come downfield or make that subtle change in direction to either help a DB to break up a pass or go take it out for himself. He didn't have too many plays, but he was very good at fighting for the ball. Uh, again, he's not, he's not a real huge, huge guy in terms of his stature, but the way he plays is, is a loud role. So it's very interesting to see where he goes from there. Uh, his game reminds me of Grant Delpet when he was at LSU and now who plays for the Browns. It was a very strong game in terms of very physical, very powerful, 
get downhill fast type of guy, one read, one react and go. And I can see it a lot in this game, and it's going to be very interesting how it transfers in the NFL. Again, uh, he's still in the same boat as Caden Stearns. He could be, he's most likely going to be a day two prospect, depending on how the draft shakes out. But he could easily get taken in the first round, depending on who needs a safety and where other players have decided to draft, that there was trades and he shakeups and things from that nature. But it's going to be very fun to look at his game. And again, you guys, if you haven't seen his tapes or seen his highlights, I would suggest you go watch because you'll understand everything that I'm saying when you when you break it down. It wasn't about his speed. It wasn't about his size. It was more of his change of direction speed, his read and react time, uh, his physicality and breaking off and breaking off uh, certain blocks. He was exceptional. He's a very good slot coverage guy, but he's more so, like I said, going to be in the strong safety style of role. But don't let it be fooled. He still has a lot to learn and a lot to grow from. But I think he will be a good steal as well for a lot of teams. So now coming up on number one safety that I thoroughly enjoyed his game. I love to see him play. He's going to be a great athlete to watch on Sundays. Pairs forward out of pit, six foot, 190 pounds, runs a 4-3, range. Man, there's not much you can say about him except that boy can fly. When I say that boy can fly, he can. He's he's a fly around the ball safety. Cover one, he's there as holding it down on the deep end. You can put him in mad coverage. You can put him in cover two. Let him guard. Let him guard deep, or you can switch it up in audibles and let him play in the box. Very physical, fly around the ball type of guy. If it's a toss, he's there. He has great reaction skills, and you can tell he's been watching a lot of NFL players games and he studied a lot from those guys because he's a he's a he's what you call a contained safety. He understands the read and react. He understands to keep the play inside, don't get beat outside, and that's what I loved about his game. Now, very, very physical player. Very physical. He's a heavy hitter. Uh, I would put him smack in the box on a lot of blitz calls. He's one of those guys that you would definitely send in on a lot of your disguised blitz packages, and you can you can see that when he plays, he's coming in to, to take you out. He wants to get a turnover. He plays for the ball and not for the stop. He is aware of his downs. He's aware of his situations. And I think that's what is really impressive to me. Now, I talked on him being physical. One thing I don't think people understood when I when we talk about him being physical is not just how he makes a player on the ball. Man coverage, I saw a lot this year in the games that I saw. And more specifically, in the, in the game against, I want to say, Boston College or maybe Louisville, he played extremely well. Uh, although the team lost, he had about six to eight tackles. He was very in the box with it, but he was a very hands-on type of safety And when it came to putting him in man coverage. So I say that to be said where he's not afraid to being a press co- a press cover safety, where if you need him to play there, he'll do it. And he gives me a lot of high energy. He's a very high energy player. Now, with that being said, he will have to work on his emotions. Uh, I did say he's very physical, but he's also a very emotional player. And one thing we know in the NFL is sometimes your emotions can make or break certain games here where he either doesn't know how to how to uh, balance to the game. So sometimes he could get caught in the moment of trash talking too much. He lets his emotions get the best of him. I think that is by far the biggest knock on him. In my opinion, he has to work on that and putting his emotions in the game and when to like check them and put them in place. But he gives me Tyron Matthew vibes. If you guys really look at his game, he's a bigger Tyron Matthew to me because of how he played. And he gives me Tyron Matthew before he became a cut, like 
as a now Tyron Matthew, not earlier Arizona Cardinals Tyron Matthew, where you could call him a liability on coverage, but he's downhill, he's in the box, he's up top, he can play. He's going to be a most, he's a very versatile safety. You can put him in a linebacker, you can put him in a safety. Sometimes you can put him in slot. The same way Tyron Matthew operated with the Cardinals, with the Texans, with the, yeah, with the Texans, and now that you see with the Chiefs, where no matter where you line him up at, he's going to make an impact, and that's one of those guys you have to watch out for. And it's very interesting to see how it all stacks out in the draft because in the mock draft, he's definitely going day one in my eyes. And in other people's mock drafts that came out earlier, he's also looked at as a day one product. It's very fun to watch his game, and I know you guys can hear it in my voice. As you can tell, I'm a huge fan of his. I don't. There's not too many weaknesses in his game except maybe – learning how to get his head around to make the big plays in terms of getting the interception and getting the turnover. He's a, he's very aware of where he's at on the field. He's aware of the down and distance. And I think that's something he, that's one of his biggest positives is his awareness of where the ball is and understanding where teams need to go. He knows how to, he's a great sound tackler, a breakdown tackler, a very striking tackler at that. So it's very, it's going to be very fun to see where he falls at. And it's very interesting to see who's going to take him because whoever takes him, you're going to have yourself a pretty good safety on your hands. So those were my top three safeties. Next week, we're going to stay in defense. Uh, I'll let you guys decide the position where I'm going to go next, but we're going to stay in defense. Uh, coming up next, we get to break down GM team of the week number two. Last week, we did the Jaguars. This week, we're going to stay in the AFC, and you guys will find out after this. So as you guys know, this wouldn't be a show of Backyard GM if we didn't have a GM team of the week. And we went through GM team number one, which was Jacksonville. Now we're on team number two, and I said we were staying in the AFC. And I think we should go down to Miami, Florida, and go general manager of the Miami Dolphins, right? So let's first look at it like this. Miami Dolphins have $23 million in cap space, according to Over the Cap. Depending on 18 free agents who will either come back or not, they have two first-round picks and two second-round picks, and those are where they really need to address their needs. And I think it'll be really important to see how the offseason shakes out. Now, one thing we do know is that some players aren't comfortable with Tua being their starting quarterback, and Deshaun Watson has named Miami and the Jets, they're his two popular destinations and the teams where they go. Now, that's according to them. According to Adam Scheffner and rumor reports and how things will shake out, that's how they view things. Now, I'm going to take over the franchise. First things first, what I'm going to do, I got to make a couple re-signs and a couple cuts. In my eyes, we're going to bring back three players. We're going to bring back Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had a 68% completion percentage, threw for 2,000 yards, had about 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I'm re-signing him first things first because, A, I need a very valuable number two quarterback, and Fitzmagic showed that he could make something happen. Second, we're going to re-sign middle linebacker Vince Beagle, who had 59 tackles, one interception this on a year, and we're going to re-sign Ted Cars on the O-line. So those are the two, those are the three big re-signs that we're going to have. Everyone else can pretty much walk off, in my opinion. So now, after that, with all that being said, the Deshaun Watson experience will not happen in Miami, according to me. I want to Reese. I want to keep Tua because he's only played one year, and I feel like you have to have full trust of this guy. And I think it's he's he's still on a learning curve here. For you to move on from a first round draft pick this fast without really giving him a true time to test things, and you guys have 
never really sat there and fully examined him because he's always either getting pulled for Ryan Fitzpatrick or whatever's the case. I feel like that's unfair to him and for him to not learn from his mistakes. So we're going to keep him around and let him play this and we're going to play this thing out. Now, one of the biggest assets we have on this team is the secondary. Young core, very fast, very agile. We got Xavier Hay Howard, who's in my eyes is a top five corner in this league. And we have Byron Jones. And they're gonna they're gonna house my my secondary. They're the two important pieces of what I look at. So those are those are the three, four to make three to four main things we want to focus on. We're gonna keep Tua. Deshaun can go get traded somewhere else. We we're gonna focus in on our secondary core. That's gonna be the pride of my defense. But we're gonna need a lot more help around either in the receiver position or the O-line position. So Tua can get comfortable among this offense. And build upon it. So, first things first, let's go to free agency. We need offensive linemen. And my first pick I would want to go after is Trent Williams, tackle from the 49ers. If he doesn't re-sign with them. Or I want Kendall Lamb at tackle. Where those one of those two guys could be a very good help to Tua and protect him. And not really be a blindside tackle, but more so be a featured tackle and help them out. Now, with that being said, that is where I would go there. Uh, also, you need a receiver here. Uh, but you don't need a number one receiver because you have Devontae Parker. I would sign a viable number two to number three option receiver. So I would look at Willie Sneed out of Baltimore or John Ross, who's most likely going to be a free agent due to his contract being up and they're not going to re-up on his fifth year option. So that will be interesting to see. But those would be my two targets because I'm going to draft the receiver here. And now with those being focused on and taken away and we broke that down, now we go into the draft. Like I said, we got two first round picks, two second round picks, and we can address two of our needs in in one of those four picks. Well, two of those needs and two of those four picks. Receiver, a linebacker, and we and we can make it clear in those first two rounds here. With me, you house the number three pick. I would either go with Devontae Smith, Heisman went out of Alabama, or Jamar Chase, who opt out from LSU. Both of those guys are primetime receivers, big target receivers, exceptional yards after catch. They're both Devontae Smith more to me is more of a deep, deep ball threat to me than Jamar Chase is. Jamar Chase is more of an intermediate route threat, but they are both very dynamic, game-changing receivers on the opposite side of Devontae Parker, which I think would be very good for Tua to have. So he can he can a have a former teammate that he's already used to in terms of timing and routes, or he can stick with what he knows with Devontae Parker, and it kind of branches out. It gives more spread to that offense. Now with the 18 pick, you can't deny here that you need a linebacker. Uh, Michael Parsons would be my choice, but the way the mock draft shakes out and his his draft stock shakes out, he won't be around then long enough for him to be taken. But after that, you have Jeremiah Okushu from uh, Notre Dame, or you have Zavin Collins out of Tulsa. Very good big linebackers who sit right there in the middle. And the only reason why, personally, I would take Zavin Collins over over Jeremiah is because of he can play middle linebacker and outside linebacker. It gives you a lot more youth to your defense and someone else who can also be the, the mouthpiece of that defense next to someone. Now, one thing I do know that they they – that isn't heavenly talking about is their running game. Their running game wasn't all that strong in the past, and it wasn't all that strong this past season, and I think it can get better. Now, in the second round, I feel like the steal in my eyes would be Travis Etienne, a very great runner, exceptional runner. He worked a lot on being a receiving back. Uh, he's he's very good with yards at the catch, very shifty, very powerful, 
and you can spread the offense out a little bit more under him. I think in my eyes, that would be your steal that you would go with. And overall, he doesn't, he wouldn't cost too much. And even then, you can still get another running back in free agency if you needed to with Mark Ingram being available. So you can have you two solid running backs in the power game and in the speed game. You have a lot of shiftiness going on there. And I'll probably talk about Travis Etienne more down the line when we talk about the GM draft path. But overall, that's how I see the Miami Dolphins building this team in my eyes. And that's how I'll build them. Granted, it won't be a surefire thing right off the bat. But to go 10 and 6 this year and and barely miss the playoffs to being a couple pieces away, this team has a prime spot and location of being a a playoff contending team and on its way to the Super Bowl, a Super Bowl leading team. And I think it does start with Tua and having a lot more trust in his game. Now, Tua will have to adapt a lot more of the NFL style of nuances in terms of where a man is on the field and where to throw the ball and who's going to be open and who's not. But overall, as a whole, I think that's your best choice to keep him so you don't have to lose any draft capital in trying to get Deshaun Watson. Granted, you would have a guy already in his prime, but I think it's easy to go with a younger guy here with your contracts, with the contracts that you have him under and the way you can build the team around him. And it's kind of the same way how I look at it when you look at Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, a lot of these young quarterbacks who just now are about to get to their big money, but because they were able to play young and the team had a lot more money to build around them and their skill set, it works out perfectly. So there you guys have it. That is GM team of the week number two. Uh, Next week, I'm pretty sure I'm going to take a lot of fan questions, a lot of fan polls. But it's going to be very interesting. You guys stay tuned and find out what team I will be GMing next week. I would like to thank you guys again for sticking around for episode three of the Backyard GM. I am your host, Darius Brockett, and I'll see you guys again next week. Same time, Thursday, 2 p.m.